But if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter number 14. Uh, we've been dealing with the series, Do You Have an Attitude? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you have an attitude? Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 14, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 1. Numbers chapter 14, verse number 1. Do you have an attitude? Now, last week, we began to pull back the layers of this teaching a little bit more because we said that the book of Numbers, which, which gives us a, a historical account of the, the, the travels and the whereabouts and the going on of God's chosen people, Israel, and we know from reading the book of 1 Corinthians how that God said that he allowed these things to happen to Israel and he allowed for them to be recorded for our admonition and for our instruction, Gary. He said, in other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a glimpse into the life of my people, what they did right, what they did wrong, and I want to use that to teach you how to live life. Can I get a witness? And so how many of y'all know it's good to learn from others? Can I get a witness today? Their mistakes and their, their right choices. And so that's what we're doing from the book of Numbers as we've been talking about preparing for greater because we know and we understand that God had a land prepared for his people. He had it there. He says, it's yours. Every place that your foot treads upon belongs to you. But how many of you know and you understand when you read the history of Israel, an entire generation failed to get what God had rightfully prepared for them because they weren't ready. Amen. You can't get ready when the opportunity comes. You got to be prepared for the opportunity comes. Because when opportunity comes, you can't say I'm going to try to go get ready because we, by the time you go get ready and come back, the opportunity is gone. Amen. So in Numbers, the 14th chapter, let's look, take a look right quick. The text says, then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. The text says their voices rose up in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. How many of you know they had a complaining attitude? The text says in verse number three, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? In other words, they're talking about going back to slavery, going back to where they came from because their, 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 their mindset was wrong. Their head was in the wrong place. Their attitude was off base because they took their eyes off of the promises of God. And again, we talk about the fact that this this this. This statement that came out of their mouth and, and the whole group was complaining is because they had had and it allowed a doubtful attitude to creep into their mindset to the point that where they didn't believe what God had promised. And I'm here to tell you that right now, if you as a child of God can't believe or won't believe what God promised, you'll never inherit the promises of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. The man that comes to God has to what? Believe that God is and that God is a what? A rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek him. So God is looking for a people. He's looking for a man or woman whom he can show himself strong toward. And that man or woman has to not operate. That person has to get to a point where they're not operating with a doubtful attitude, but operating in an attitude of faith. Look at verse number four with me. We're going to keep moving. Since then, they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. 
They came against their leadership and decided they wanted to turn back because their attitude had had gotten to a point to where they didn't believe God. Now look at your outline. We talked about the fact that an attitude. What is an attitude? An attitude attitudes are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. See, you didn't just start thinking the way you're thinking. That stuff has been percolating for a long period of time. As a matter of fact, if you ask anybody who's in a relationship with you, they'll be able to describe your character, your nature, your makeup, because they've seen, amen, how you handle things over a prolonged period of time. So attitudes are, are, are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. And I got news for you. The devil is trying to disrupt your thinking. The devil wants you not to believe the promise of God. So what he does is he, he begins to attack your thought life. That's why the Bible tells us bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. So those, those, so those patterns of thinking, wrong attitudes are hard to change because they are habitual, harmful ways of thinking about life in circumstance. So as your pastor, what I want to do, I want to put you in a position where you understand that you got to, amen, pay close attention to what you're thinking about. You got to place close attention to, to what kind of thought patterns are percolating through your mind and whether or not those thought patterns are lining up with the promises of God's word. Because Israel... Amen. This generation failed to get what God had promised them because they allowed, amen, doubtfulness to creep into their hearts. So, again, the definition of doubt, we said doubt is a lack of confidence or assurance that God will keep his promises. Doubt involves a settled and persistent choice to live with uncertainty. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live with uncertainty. I don't know about you, but I don't want to I don't want to get up every day wondering whether or not I'm going to be able to make it. I need to be able to trust and believe that when God said he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that he meant exactly what he said. And I'm going to live my life accordingly. I'm not going to get up and worry. I'm not going to have a doubtful attitude. I'm not going to try to go back to what I used to go to. Come on. I'm going to stay with God. Look at your neighbor and neighbor. You better stay with God. So doubtful out Now remember, we, said, we told you on last week that, that God has some irrevocable promises that he has made to, to mankind. God has promised to provide for us, right? Philippians 4 and 19. Not only that, but God has promised to protect us, right? And not only that, but God has promised to prosper us. Amen? All three of those promises are signed by God himself. And, and so when, when, when questions about God's willingness or ability to keep his promises persist, the attitude becomes a lifestyle and we are headed for the wilderness. God says he promises to provide for us, to protect us, and to prosper us. And so we told you the five principles that show us how God deals with doubt. Because if we belong to God, but we're doubting, we don't, we're not walking in faith, we are questioning whether or not we're going to make it. We're questioning whether or not he can heal us. We're questioning whether or not he's going to open a door of opportunity for us. God has to deal with us. Because guess what? If he doesn't deal with us, then he can't use us. Because without faith, it's what? Impossible to please him. The person that comes to God has to believe that he is and is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So, first of all, number one, we said what? God places regular tests of faith before his children because he's trying to cultivate our faith. Well, he places regular tests of faith before his children. And again, I told you, understand that these tests are not intended for our failure, but for our success. Amen. The children of Israel, amen, in the book of Numbers, failed the test because they wouldn't trust God. 
So God put the regular test of faith before his children because he's trying to develop us. The second principle that we got to understand is that the circumstances of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. Let me say it again. The circumstances of life will either shrink your faith or stretch it. I need to see us by way of show of hands. How many of y'all, since you've been saved, have had some circumstances that came in your life that, that caused uh, some angst and heartache? You've had some stuff that's happened that you had to decide whether I'm going to trust God or not. You've had some things that come in your heart that was hard, that was painful. Anybody been there before? Maybe it was sickness in your body. Maybe it was a relationship that went astray. Maybe, maybe uh, somebody who you were close to hurt you deeply. And either your faith was stretched or it shrunk in that situation. There are too many believers who I, who, who I, I believe, amen, have faced circumstances, but because the circumstance didn't turn out the way they wanted, they, they, they found themselves drifting away from God. They were shrinking away and believing that God, amen, first of all, his promise about he was going to uh, provide for us, he was going to protect us, and he was going to prosper us. Then when that circumstances hit, you, 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 you got your eyes off the promise and you focus on the circumstance. You focus on the person and you allow that person or that circumstance to cause you to turn loose your faith. Amen. God will, the circumstances of life will either shrink or stretch your faith. The principle number three we need to understand is we said that doubt sees the obstacles but faith sees the opportunity. Everybody say doubt sees the obstacles but faith sees the opportunity. I told you on last week Two people can look at the same situation and see the exact opposite. One heart filled with doubt focuses only on the obstacles. Another person looking at the same situation, not filled with doubt, but filled with faith, can see the opportunity in the situation that comes about. So doubt sees the obstacle, but faith sees the opportunity. And lastly, we said that uh, uh, principle number no, not principle number four was when surrounded by doubters, doubt comes easily. So you got to be careful who you hang out with. Don't hang out with na- naysayers. Don't hang out with people who can't see the promises of God. Amen. Percolating or see, can't, can't imagine the promises. Glory to God. All right. Am I back on? Is that me or y'all? Is that me? Okay. All right. Hallelujah. All right. I knew I went off there. Okay. All right. So, personal number four, when surrounded by doubters, doubting comes what? Easily. Don't hang around people who won't speak faith-filled words into your life. Are y'all with me? We said doubting is contagious. It's easy to catch. Amen. Uh, doubting is kind of like this coronavirus that's going around. It's contagious. And when you hang around with doubters, amen, you'll start to doubt. If your family is full of doubters, you'll be a doubter if you're not careful. Amen. Be a faith-filled person. Don't hang around with doubters. Doubting is passive. We said doubting satisfies our tendency towards self-protection, and doubters are easier to find than friends of faith. So you got to be careful. There are a lot of people who will speak what they see and not what God's word says. Principle number five, we said it's a short journey from doubt to despair. And that's where the children of Israel were in Numbers, the 14th chapter. Amen. Uh, they, they began to say, we're going to go back to Egypt. 
we're going to go back to slavery. See, doubt never stands still. It's always sliding somewhere worse. Always sliding somewhere worse. Is this thinking messed up or what? Now, think about this. God delivered them, and they come to the cusp of the promised land, but because of complainers and doubters and because uh, of what the, the group came back and said was over there that we can't take it, they said we're going to go back to where God has delivered us out of it. Listen, it's, it's a bad thing. It's a sad commentary when we as Christians it may make a choice and a decision to go back to what God delivered us out of. If God delivered you out of whole money, don't you go back to whoring anymore. If God has delivered you from drinking and drugs and, 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 and crazy talk, don't go back there anymore. Amen. If God, whatever God has delivered you from, you make a covenant agreement with God that you will not go back there. Because all of us, if we're not careful, have the capacity to go back to the place that God delivered us from. Oh, yeah, you save, you die, you go to heaven. But if you're not careful, this flesh will have you dragging back. It'll pull you back to that place you came out of. Amen. You've been set free. When you set free, amen, whom the son set free, he's what? Free indeed. So, so, so watch, watch this thinking that we see in this 14th chapter. Uh, first of all, this thinking was, was totally contrary to their amazing experiences, I told you. They had forgotten God's provision. A pillar cloud by day, a pillar fire by night, dividing the Red Sea, daily manner, etc. Hadn't God provided for them every step of the way? Here they are now wanting to go back. Second, if they, if they did turn around to go back to Egypt, would God continue to provide manna for them on their way back across the Sinai Devil? I don't think so. Because God provided the, 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 the manna from heaven, the pillar of, of, of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night to guide them to where he had promised them. But when you turn around and, and, and go in opposite direction of the promise, God is not under any obligation to continue to provide for you when you won't trust him. Amen? So they were going back to where they wanted to go back. But see, God says, no, 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 no. I, I, can't, I can't roll with you like that. Amen. And so, so uh, you know, they, they, they were thinking about going back. But, you know, this this plan to go back was a plan that was that was I think was was born out of desperation. Amen. They made desperate plans because just like a, a rumor growing out of control, their doubt had ballooned to despair. See, sometimes we'll allow a rumor to uh, to, 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 to to make us just do some crazy things. How many of y'all remember? And I, I just and I, I think about life, and I, I look at people, and and sometimes I wonder what are people thinking. How many of y'all remember when the Popeyes chicken craze, sandwich craze was going on? People were standing in line fighting over a piece of chicken. How many of y'all remember that? How many of y'all? How many of y'all stood in line uh, and waited uh, uh, 30, 40 minutes to get a sandwich that that for some reason the rumor was it was the best thing that's been created in the last seventy five years. Huh? Now, some of y'all don't want to admit it now, but some of y'all were in the line. You rolled by Popeye to see how long the line was. It's a chicken sandwich. And when I rolled by Popeye's the last two or three weeks, there's no line any longer. Did the chicken no longer, is it no longer good now? Or was it people got caught up in what everybody was saying? They got caught up in the hype. Yeah, y'all, don't, nobody want to raise a hand now. 
And I'm going to tell you just my opinion. This is just the dark Adam's opinion. It ain't, you don't have to take this. This ain't Bible. If you don't take it, you, you're, you're, you don't, you're not going to go to hell if you don't take this. But it ain't all that. That's my, my take. And I think I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of fine taste. I think I have a, a palate and a tongue that knows how to differentiate between good and bad food. As a matter of fact, I consider myself an expert. But it wasn't that good. Here's what happened, guys. The hype, the social media uh, uh, explosion caused some of you all in here. And, I, I, you know, and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that what was all the hype about? Why were people fighting over a sandwich? A chicken sandwich. Because when you get around a bunch of people who's saying, everybody's saying the same thing, it's easy to get caught up. Can I get a witness? And that was desperation to stand in line for a chicken sandwich. Baby, I ain't going to stand in line an hour at no fast food restaurant for nothing. That's just me now, okay? But when you get into a state of desperation and mindset, you'll do stuff that, that, that when you look at it on the surface, it's not really reasonable. So, so the doubtful attitude causes the generation not to enter in. But if we want to please God, if we want to walk with God, if we want to uh, see the promises of God manifested in our life, then we got to replace the doubtful attitude with an attitude of faith. So let's go and talk about the attitude of faith right quick, okay? See, faith, we said, is believing the word of God and acting upon it. Everybody say acting upon it. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how you feel. Because God promises a good result. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how you feel. Because God's promises, God promises a good result. The Old Testament believers look forward to something by faith. We look back to something by faith. For them, it was a promise for us. What Christ did in dying and rising again and paying the penalty for our forgiveness is an established fact. They were looking forward to the Messiah coming and bringing deliverance. We are looking back and saw what he did. He died on the cross for our sin and he delivered us. Faith is substance. Go to Hebrews 11 and 1 with me. Y'all know this. Hebrews 11 and 1. An attitude of faith. And guys... This attitude of faith needs to, has to, if we're going to walk with God, if we're going to experience this problem, this attitude of faith has to permeate throughout our life on a daily basis. We've got to be men and women of faith. We've got to become people of faith. Are you all with me today? We've got to become people of faith who, who trust that what God's word says is true. Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the confidence that, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Read with me out loud, no purpose. It says what? Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Go to the King James Version of Scripture on this. I like it. Faith is substance. Faith is also evidence. Read it out loud with me. It says what? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things what? Not seen. Read it one more time. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is what? The evidence of things not seen. The word substance comes from the Greek word hypostatus, which means the foundations. 
or the insurance or the title deed and the guarantee of things hoped for. Look at that again. The word for substance, the Greek word for substance is hypostatus, which means the foundation, the assurance, the title deed, and the guarantee of things hoped for. The word for evidence is elekos, which means conviction. Okay? It means conviction. Everybody say conviction. Now look closely at what is being said and, and note that faith is being described as an act, an act of the mind and the heart. That is, our heart and our mind believe something and we have assurance and conviction that is true. Genuine faith. Everybody say genuine faith. Genuine faith always, everybody say always, always shows up in our everyday life. I'm talking about genuine true faith. If you walk it in genuine true faith, it's going to show up in your everyday life. Because guys, there are all kinds of things that we say we believe. I'm going to repeat that. There are all kinds of things that we say we believe. Everybody say say. We say we believe, but but, 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 but we must not really believe them because they don't show up in the way we live. Watch this right quick. Go to Malachi 3 with me right quick. Malachi 3rd chapter. Watch this. Go with me to uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 6. Malachi 3, uh, verse number 6. Text says this, read, it says, I am the Lord and I do not change. How many of y'all think, thank God that he don't change? People will change, but God won't. Hey Amen. Uh, listen, people are for you today and be against you tomorrow. Huh? People, people will tell you, I'm, I ain't ever going to leave you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I got your back, Pastor. Then next week, come on. Hello? People will march down the aisle and tell you for better, for worse. And when worse comes, they're gone. But I thank God that he changes not. I thank God that he's not sometime like some people. I thank God that he's not moody like some people. Are y'all still feeling me today? I thank God that he changed not. That is why you... You descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. God, listen, if, had God not been a keep of his promise, he would have wiped his people out. But he said, through you, through, through, through the seed of Abraham, I'm going to bring the Savior to the earth realm. Because his people did some crazy, messed up stuff along the way, but yet still he punished them, but he didn't destroy them altogether. Because he had a promise that the seed was going to come and bless the world. Text says in verse number seven, let's read Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have, you, have, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's army. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Verse 8 says this, should people cheat God? Yet you have what? But you ask the question, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? Let's go to the King James verse. I like the way the KJV says it. Come on, y'all. Text says this, will a man rob God? Say yes. yes. Say, say people have been doing it for a long time, and they're still robbing him. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? He says what? In tithes and offerings. 
He says in tithes and offerings. He says it. So in case you don't know what a tithe is, a tithe is a tenth of whatever God allows you to be blessed with your increase. A tithe is let's say a tenth. That's a dime out of every dollar. Right? Amen. Now when you have a dollar and you peel off that dime, it don't seem that like much. You like, well, well, I can do that, can I? But if it starts to be a thousand, you gotta peel off how much? Huh. Yeah. When it's five thousand, you gotta peel off how much first? Five hundred. I'm, 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 this is a math test. Okay, I'm gonna make sure you don't get. So if you have ten thousand dollars, you gotta peel off how much? All right. Will a man rob God? We said God had three irrevocable promises. First of all, he's a, the promise was what? He promised to provide for us. Second was what? Promised to protect us. Third was what? Promised to what? Prosper us. Now here his people are, and they're acting like they don't know what he's talking about. He said, well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, where will we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Look at verse number nine. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the, this whole nation. Watch this. Watch this. Bring ye what? All the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And, and God said, prove me. God says what? Test me. Now here we Test me with what? What is now here with? Test me with the tithe and the offering. Said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room, that, that, that there should not be room enough to receive it. That's the promise when we bring the tithe. God says, test me, prove me. You're my people. Now, again, we say, people say, well, you know, Brother Pastor, we're not under the Old Covenant. Well, listen, tithing was under the old, it was before the Old Covenant. It's during the Old Covenant, and it was after the Old Covenant. I don't have time to go to the Scripture right now and prove, but Abraham paid tithes till Melchizedek before there ever was a law. Right? He paid tithes to Melchizedek, who was a type of high priest. And he gave it to him in appreciation for God giving them the victory. Jesus, even in Matthew 23 and 23, commended the Pharisees for tithing, but he got on them because they, they omitted the weightier matters of the law. He said, you ought to have tithed, but not, not, don't forget about mercy and grace and all this other stuff, too. Are you with me today? So he said, watch this, watch this. He says, uh, here's the promise. Improve me. He says, test me. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a, a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. Verse number 11, read it, come on. And I will rebuke the what? Who's a devourer? Satan, a devourer is someone who's trying to tear your stuff up. A devourer is someone who's trying to mess you up, amen, and, and take, take what you have. And that's what the enemy does. John 10 and 10 says what? The thief coming not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have what? Life and have it more abundantly. So make no mistake about it. The devil is, his, his job is to disrupt your flow. His job is to come and destroy what you have. But now, if, if, if God says, prove me that I, I'm going to, first of all, I, I'm going to make sure that, that I, I, I bless you. And second of all, I'm going to rebuke you with the devourer. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast their fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. So now, I'm going to ask you a question. If I believe the promises of God, why wouldn't I tithe? But if you say you believe the promise but can't release the tithe and the offering, you don't really believe the promise. Let me, let, me, let me go back. 
Because some of y'all looking at me like, okay, uh, uh, you're picking at me now. I, I don't know who you are, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's what I, here's what I had to learn. Some of y'all may have heard this who've been here for a period of time. A lot of y'all are new. But Maria and I got married um, uh, fresh out of college, didn't we? I was 22 and she was 20. I said 22 and 20. 22 and 20. I was 22, she was 20. All right? Now, uh, when we first got to school, uh, part of my responsibility as the, the head of the household is to take care of her. Okay? So when uh, we made the decision to get married, um, and, and, um, and I didn't have a job yet in my field because when we made the decision to get married in July, I think, of 85, uh, I had not graduated yet, uh, but I was interviewing that type of thing. And then so we set a wedding date, December the 24th, right? And so, uh, so I started working construction uh, so we can have some money coming in. Are you following? Because if a man don't work, he ain't going to eat. Now, she was still in school. I've graduated. So it didn't matter that I had a finance degree and that I wanted to go in banking. I needed some money, Leroy. So what I decided to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out there and I'm going to go hit it. Everybody say go hit it. A man ought to get up every day and go hit it. Can I get five witnesses up in him? A man ought not be laying at home while his wife going out to work if he's able-bodied. If he's able-bodied. If he's not retired or disabled, he ought to be out doing something. So I did construction work and, and, and until uh, about... Four months later, something came open in my field, and I started working in banking. I've been banking for 17 years. But here's what I want to tell you. From the time that we begin to understand the word of God and begin to understand how to walk by faith, we, we trusted God for our, for our substance. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. There were times when we would give our tithes and our offerings, and there wasn't a whole lot left to the next pay period. Anybody ever... Uh, we're from paycheck to paycheck. Anybody ever been there before? I'm not saying you that now, but you have been there before. Anybody ever, come on, let's go back over there. Anybody ever, I'll tell you before, anybody ever wrote a check on Friday afternoon after the banks are closed? <laughs> Knowing that it won't clear until Monday night. Your paycheck didn't go into Monday, come on. But you did what they call floated that check. I need somebody to raise a hand and let me, and let me know you know what a float, floating the check means. Some of you youngsters who don't even write check are like, what float? What do you mean float? Float on? Float on? The floaters? No, I'm talking about a check that, that if, if, if they were to go to your account on that day that you wrote it, it wasn't there. But you knew by the time the store deposited into their bank account, they, you know, banks were closed on the weekends, right? The Fed, which processes the checks from bank to bank, the Fed is closed on the weekend, so you knew you had some float. Till your check got in your account on that Monday. Right? There were times when we were tight. There were times when 
when, 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 when the thought came to our minds, you know, I, I you know, may, maybe, you know, this 10% that I'm giving, uh, you know, God knows where I am. He knows what we're dealing with. So we're just going to, we're going to just wait till we, we can afford to tithe. Let me tell you something, baby. You wait until you can afford tithe, you'll never afford it. Because see, what God is doing is God is trying to test you to see if you'll trust him. He says, try me and see if I will not bless you. And I'm here to tell you, as sure as I'm set up here and I'm black, there hasn't been a day that God hasn't provided for Maria, Kirk, Adams, and my needs. As a matter of fact, he's opened the windows of blessing where we can walk in abundance. Amen. But we've always trusted him to provide for us. Okay? So, 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 so don't, 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 don't think I'm just, don't know what I'm talking about here. Don't think that we haven't been in, the, in tight places. And some of it because of our own doing. Some of it because we ex- extended ourselves beyond what we should have. But we've always paid people the way we supposed to. Because I've always been taught this. If you want to get something else, you've got to pay what you owe. As a matter of fact, if you want to get something else at a reasonable price, you need, to, you need to pay what you owe. Because if you don't pay what you owe, then people will start giving you stuff, but they get to you at a high price. That car loan at 19%, come on now, that's costing you money. As a matter of fact, now insurance company will check your credit score to see what kind of premium you're going to pay for your insurance premium. Yeah, you, you got a good driving record, but your credit bad, they're gonna, you're going to pay more. Because they figure if you don't pay people right, then, then you may be not be responsible. Did y'all know that? Yeah, your insurance premiums can be, be higher because your credit score is, is lower because you didn't pay people the way you're supposed to. Listen, what I'm telling you is this. If, if you will trust God, you'll be able to tithe and pay who you owe. Amen. I'm a living witness. I'm not telling you something that somebody told me, but the God that I serve has been good. He is faithful and he keeps his promises. So we, we, what we said, what Mariah and I said, either this is true or it's not. It can't be halfway true. You can't halfway trust somebody. Huh? I said you can't halfway trust somebody. How you gonna halfway trust somebody? I'm gonna trust him, but I'm gonna, I, I trust him as far as I can see him. That ain't trust. As long as I can see him, I trust him. Baby, you better run and find you somebody else. Because you can't see him all the time. And you're not going to be with him all the time. God is trustworthy and faithful. What I'm going to tell you is, if you trust, if, if you believe this, then you will not tie. Because, go, go with me to Luke 6 and 38. Come on, Luke 6 and 38. I got to get moving. I want to get sidetracked here. Watch this. Everybody still with me? I didn't offend anybody, did I? Genuine faith always shows up in our everyday life. A lot of stuff we say we believe, we really don't believe it because it's not showing up in our life. And I'm just t- talking this about giving. Because many, many of y'all sit here and, and you haven't grasped the concept. We taught on giving over and over again. We'll, I'm sure we'll go over it again because it's in the scripture. But I want to encourage you to give not because you're under pressure or constraint, but because God loves it, what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. I want to encourage you to learn how to be a giver because that, that means you're trusting God in every aspect of your life. Because if, if, if you can trust God with your finances, you can, you can generally trust him for a whole lot of, lot of things. Text says this. Give and it what? Shall be 
given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. Watch this. For with the same measure that you what? That you what? That you meet with all, it shall be what? It shall be measured to you again. Let's go to the New Living Translation and read it right quick, okay? Watch this now. Because here's a promise attached to this. Give and you will what? Now watch this. If I want to receive something, then I give something. If I believe what the word says, then my giving will not be stunted because I know that when I give, text says I receive. Your gift will return to you in full. What? Press down, shaken together to make room for more, run over and pour it into your lap. Watch this. The amount you give will determine the amount that you what? Now again, understand something here. As Jesus is talking, he's not talking about the numerical dollar amount. He's talking about the proportion amount. In other words, the widow with the might gave more than all the rich folks. So I'm not talking about the dollar amount. I'm talking about the proportion. What he says is, is the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. Now, how many of y'all absolutely believe that? The amount you give, all things beneath your heart is right, your motive is right, you're not giving just to get, but you're giving because you're being obedient to God. He says the amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. So if I believe that, then that means the more I give, the more he stores back and can trust me with. If I really believe that. But what do people do when they get constrained? They say, well, God, I can't give. But do you believe this? It's getting quieter here. Give and you will receive. Do I believe that? If I don't believe that, it's going to show up in my life and I won't release. Because the attitude of faith says that I trust what God's word says and I will obey that. Because a lot of stuff in our life we say we believe, but we don't really believe. Come on, we don't really believe. We don't really believe it. We don't really believe it. We don't really believe it. If we believe by praying that God will open the door for us, why wouldn't we pray more? I don't know if we really believe that. Come on. See, the attitude of faith has to be developed. Now, go, I want you to go with me to Ephesians, the second chapter, right quick. Because faith is substance. Faith is also evidence. Scripture Seems to be saying that faith is the actual possession of reality. How many of y'all have a title deed to your to the home that you live in? In other words, there's a when you go to the courthouse and look it up, it'll have your name on the title deed. Even though you're paying a mortgage, when you go to the courthouse in the real estate section, there they'll have a title deed with your name on it. Right. That's why I told you before, if they try to in order for a mortgage company or a bank to to sell your house in repossession, they first of all have to get it out of your name and get it transferred. Am I right about into their name so they can sell it? Because right now, if you do it, the title deed transfers ownership to you when you go and buy a house from somebody. 
The title deed is your evidence that this belongs to you. Can I get a witness? It's your evidence that it belongs to you. And so the person who holds that title deed to properly actually possesses the property. It's already his. So what the Bible is telling us, faith is our title deed to the promises of God. Faith tells us that we got substance to the thing that God promised. Ephesians 2, watch this, verse number 4 with them right quick. See, certainly from God's perspective, we already possess his promises. He's already seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we already possess eternal life, even though we're here. Watch the text here. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse number 6 for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us and seated us and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Watch this. Now, go, go to the KJV on this on verse number six. Watch this. Look at what it says here. It says, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus. This is Paul talking to the saints at Ephesus. He says that Christ has raised us up together. God has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ, where is his position right now, guys? He's seated, the Bible says, on the right hand of the Father. And this text says he has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, aren't you right here? Are you right? Are you on earth? Look at me. Yeah, you're on earth. I'm looking at you. Yet, the text says we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our position, amen, is ours. We have, amen, the promise that we are in Christ. Yet we're still here. But that promise by faith gives us confident assurance that we don't have to worry that when we die that we're going to heaven. To be absent from the bodies to be what? what? Look at verse 7 and 8. Come on, I got to go. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. How? Through Christ Jesus. Now look at verse number eight. Watch this now. It's important. For by what? Grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is what? It's the gift of God. Verse number nine. Not of works lest any man should boast. The point is this. Listen carefully. Holding the title deed to property and possessing something is more than just assurance and conviction. It is possessing reality. In other words, the promise that I'm seated together in heaven and place in Christ Jesus, it's mine. It is a reality from a spiritual standpoint. So I can be assured that I am resting in Christ Jesus if I'm born again. Are y'all with me today? See, there's a spiritual power that comes with faith. Go with me to Hebrews, back to the 11th chapter, and let's look at verse number 4 and 5 right quick. Watch this. The spiritual power of faith. See, the power of faith is the message of the gospel, the glorious hope that God has given from the beginning of time. The power is actually twofold, and it's given in the most meaningful way possible, guys. Amen. By showing how the power takes I mean, the power takes effect in the lives of the believers. Two believers who, who experienced the power of faith were Abel and Enoch. And I don't have time to get to both of them, but I'm, let's look at uh, Abel right quick, okay? The text says what? By faith, Abel 
offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaking. What, what, what are you saying, Brother Pastor? Just make a note of this right quick. Faith has the power to be counted as righteousness. Everybody say, faith has the power to be counted as righteousness. See, guys, the greatest need of mankind is to be counted as righteous. Because, guys, in and of our flesh and ourselves, we're not righteous. But God says he, he made a way for us to be counted as righteous. And unless some way can be found to cause God to count us righteous, we'll never be allowed to live with God. So we got to, no, no, no sinful flesh can live in eternity in the presence of a holy God. So God has to make a way to count us as righteous. Bible says we're born in sin and we're shaping what? In iniquity. So watch, so what am I talking about? When you look at when Adam and Eve sinned, okay, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became aware of their nakedness. Is that correct? Nakedness is a symbol of their being aware and conscious of sin. You go to Genesis 3rd chapter, you can see that. God loved them, and therefore he provided clothing to cover their nakedness. All right? Now, note what the clothing was. The clothing was of of skins from animals, right? Is that correct? It's the skins of animals, and and, and and, uh, uh, the skin of animals, which was a symbol that sin had to be covered by the shedding of blood. The only way you'll get some animal skin, you got to kill something, right? And so he took animal skins and covered them, which that was symbolic of the fact that blood had to be shed for sin in order to cover sin. And it was a foreshadowing of the fact that the Lamb of God was going to go to the cross of Calvary and die. He's going to shed his blood so that you and I could have the right to go into the presence of a holy God. Are y'all with me today? Abel tells us there's a way to be counted righteous. How? By approaching and worshiping God exactly like he says, that is, by the sacrifice of blood. So you want, I've always asked this question because the Bible says that, that, that Abel's sacrifice was accepted, but Cain's wasn't, right? You know why Cain's, Abel's was and Cain's wasn't? Because Abel did it by faith. How did he do it by faith? He did it by doing what the word of God said. Obviously, Adam and Eve knew about, amen, blood covering sin because God shed the blood of animals to cover them in their nakedness. Correct? And so they had taught that to their boys. Abel got it, but Cain didn't. Cain came to God and gave him a sacrifice that was manufactured, that was grown out of, out of the ground, out of his work, and he thought that was okay. But it wasn't okay because God had already said through showing them the example in Adam and Eve teaching Cain and Abel that it's by blood sacrifice that you worship God and get into his presence. So when Abel did what he did, God accepted that because it was, it was, he was worshiping God the way his word says it. Many of y'all sitting out there right now want to worship God the way you want to worship him. Hello? You want, you want to be involved with church the way you want to be involved with church. Pastor, don't ask me to do too much. Pastor, all this discipleship stuff you're talking about and getting to know people and, 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 and making connections, I ain't for all that. You want to do it your way. Hello, saints. You want to worship God the way you want to. Pastor, don't expect me to be here every Sunday. I got stuff to do. I got to travel. Nothing wrong with traveling. But you're traveling every week. 
The Bible says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Pastor, don't ask me to come to discipleship training. I know, that, I know you said you're trying to get everybody involved so everybody can learn and grow, but, but, but you can have a kingdom disciple class all you want to. I ain't coming because I'm a Sunday morning bench member. I'm going to worship God the way I want to worship God. And that's, that was Cain's problem. Abel, amen, took what God's word said and he followed that word. See, faith is what? Acting on the word. If you don't act on the word, you don't have faith. You're just doing something. And without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. So that was the difference between two. Often, Abel believed God and approached and worshiped God exactly as God had said, which was through the sacrifice of another, the sacrifice of an animal. But Cain didn't believe God. He did not accept God's word. So he, he brought a sacrifice that wasn't in line with God's word. And so, guys, anytime we do stuff that's not in line with God's word, it's not a faith. Because faith is what? Acting on the word. So let's get back. Let, let's, let's move on a little bit further here because I got, I got to move. I got to move. Um, faith, uh, again, faith has the power to, to be counted as righteousness. And faith has the power to give us a day by day walk with God and deliver us from spiritual death. Because we're saved by faith, right? Not, not a works, lest any man should boast. So how do we, Pastor, how do we build our faith? Look, look, look at the last part of the outline. Let's look at this right quick, and we're, we're going to get you out of here. How to build faith. Let me tell you right now, faith does not come solely by praying for it. God, give me more faith. That's not how faith comes. See, many of y'all are trying to get more faith by praying for it, and faith doesn't come by praying. I mean, praying is a part of it, but that's not how you get faith. Not according to what the Word of God says. Uh, go in, uh, first of all, if you're going to build your faith, first of all, you've got to study the Word. And therein lies the problem. If you won't come to discipleship training, if you won't come to midweek Bible class, you expect me to believe that you're studying the word of God on your own all this time and not getting corporate study together? Usually people are a, 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 a public manifestation of what they do in private in a lot of cases. And what I'm going to tell you is, is that uh, it's important for you as a Christian and as a member of this church to decide to engage in the work of the church. Hello? First of all, study the word. Go to Romans 10 chapter. That's how... Studying the word of God is how we cultivate our faith. Romans 10, verse number 17. Look at it. Y'all have heard it repeated time and time again. Can we read it out loud on purpose? It says what? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Abel believed God's word and offered a sacrifice in accordance to God's word. Cain knew God's word, heard it, but offered a sacrifice according to his own doing. My question to you today is, how many of y'all are doing church life or doing your Christian walk based on how you want to do it? I know Pastor Adam, every time I stay at the club, but I'm going to club all I want to club. I'm young. Okay, just keep on clubbing if you want to. He, he can't tell me what to do. You're exactly right. I'm just going to tell you what God's word said. I'm going to let God deal with you. He, guys, 
it, this, this is, we'll be completing 30 years of ministry. One thing I learned in 30 years of ministry, grown folk will do what grown folk want to do. And I will not get one gray hair on my head because you being disobedient to what God's word says. Because it's not me that you're rejecting, it's God's word. So I'm self-aware enough. I'm not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any self-image problems as it relates to that uh, where I'm going uh, to be weeping and moaning because you want to you club all night. Or you want to continue to do the thing that, you, that your flesh wants to do. I'm just going to pray for you. And I'm gonna help, I'm gonna help, I'll be there to pick you up. Because sooner or later, if you belong to God, whom the Lord loves, what does he do? Yes, he will discipline you. If you're truly saved. Now, here, here's the scary part. If you can do all this stuff with no remorse and, and, and nothing is happening, you better be check yourself and see if you're really saved. Because a child of God who gets off course, God will deal with you. Amen? And I thank God that he deals with us. I thank God that he disciplines us to let us know that he loves us. Any parent that truly loves their child will discipline their child. It doesn't feel good, but trust me, it's good for whatever ails us. How many of y'all are much worse off because you got a whipping when you were growing up? Anybody? <laughs> Some of y'all wouldn't even be here today if your parents hadn't disciplined you. So thank God for discipline. I thank God that our Father disciplines us. So first thing we got to do is study the Word. So faith coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you got to spend some time in Word. That means that, um, you know, even if, you, if you, you pick up your Bible, and maybe you don't quite understand everything in there, but that's, that's why it's important to have corporate time together as well as individual time, studying the Word of God. Faith don't come because you're weeping and moaning and wailing and need a breakthrough. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you're going to build your faith, the first thing you got to do is get a, a consistent study time in the Word of God. Faith doesn't come by you coming to church. Okay, haven't you figured it out by now? That's why you keep doubting and, 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 and having all these kind of fears and trepidations because, you know, you, you want God to move, but God's not moving because the faith moves the hand of God, not your must hollering and crying. You can get out and pray, now, Lord, I need you to come right now. God said, you had not been talking to me. You had not been spending time with me. I hear you, but I don't hear you. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. So first of all, if we're going to build our faith, we got to do what? Study the words. Because faith grows by hearing the word of God. Not heard, haven't heard one time. So that means that I got to make a conscious decision that, that I got to, in all of the things that's going on in my life, I got to carve out some time and say, God, I'm going to give some time to you. Now, nobody in here has an excuse. I said Nobody. Well, you know, but Pastor, I'm busy. I got all this going on. You ain't that busy. Half your time spent on social media trolling folks and looking and seeing what people are doing. Cut out some of that wasteful time and get a new word. Turn the TV off sometime. When's the last time you were home and the TV wasn't on? Oh, can't do that, but Pastor. I got to have something on. No. Spend some time in God's word. So first of all, faith grows by hearing the word. Second thing we got to do, all right? Second, we've got to have a witness. Everybody say have a witness. That's how you confess your faith. Look at, look at the Romans 10, verse number 9. Then we look at Ephesians 6. Come on, we've got to move. Romans 10 and 9 says this. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised it from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Go to Ephesians 6, chapter verse 19 and 20. Confession means I got to say something. I got to speak it. There's great power in what we say from the heart. God wants what's in us to come out. Speaking the word. Watch this. Ephesians 6, 19. It says what? And for me, that utterance may be given that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 says what? For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is saying, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I represent him in earth realm. And so part of our faith being built is that we speak what we believe, what we've been taught. Do you speak faith-filled words? Do you talk about God when you're not here at church? Do you talk about God when you're with your family? Do you talk about God when you're with your friends? Do, do your friends even know that you come to church here? If they don't, that's a problem. See, our confession, amen, builds our faith. When we speak the word of God from our heart, it helps build our faith. Third, walk daily in your faith. Walk daily in your faith. This is how you corner your faith. You put your, you put your faith to work. You corner it. You put it to work daily by, 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 by walking. Make decisions that will cultivate and build your faith during tough times. Walking it out, walking daily. For we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. So that means that as a born again believer, I don't walk by what I see in the natural. Because what I see in the natural may be very discouraging. What I see, amen, in front of me uh, may not be what I'm believing, what God has promised me. So I'm going to walk by faith and not by what I see in the natural. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. You cannot do that if you don't have any word time. You're invariably going to walk by what you see and not by what is promised if you don't have time in the word. So three things there. We're going to build our faith. We got to first and foremost have us a study time. Amen. Study the word of God. Get into the word. Partner with somebody who can... Go along with you who can help you understand some truths and, and get, get plugged into the different teaching ministries here so, so you can grow and develop. I've said it before and I've said it again. It's, it's hard to, to, to grow in your faith. It's, it's impossible to grow in your faith without the word. And, and we need each other because the Bible says God gave you pastors to feed you with wisdom and eyes on high. He gave you a church family to help uh, cultivate you and develop you. So get plugged into your church family. Don't just be a Sunday morning person. Okay, take the challenge this year to say, I'm going to be obedient to everything that I'm taught in the word of God. Don't do it because I said do it because the word says it. Study the word. Second thing we said was what? Huh? Have a witness. In other words, confess your faith. Amen. Uh, you, know, you ought to be able to tell anybody what the Lord has done for you. Has God done anything for you? If he's done anything, if you can't nobody tell your story like you tell your story. Come on, it's personal. You don't have to have uh, you know, you know, doctoral words to tell what the Lord has done for you. He woke you up this morning, did he? Starts you on your way, gave you breath, breath in your body, amen. He clothed you in your right mind. You're not running around crazy. You ought to say, God, I thank you. I can think straight. Thank you, God, for giving me out of that situation I was in that I shouldn't have been in, but you, you saw fit for me to get out of it, and Lord, I ain't going back. How many of y'all got that testimony? 
Come on, how many, how many of y'all got some stuff that God delivered you out of? Don't nobody know about but you and the person over there. But, but, but God knows what you were involved in since you've been saved, since your name was on the church roll. But he delivered you. Everybody said, thank God for deliverance. Thank God for taking me out of that situation I was in. You can testify. And that builds your faith. And lastly, what do we say? Walk daily in your faith. It has to be a daily walk. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could have this personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and earth. Let's have an attitude of faith. Let's stop doubting. The only way you can trust is to release and to do. Faith will, true faith will always be backed up by corresponding action. If you're not doing it, you're not really believing it. Okay? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor. If you're not doing it, you're not really believing it. Say, I don't care what you tell yourself. You don't really believe it. Because we fool ourselves, don't we? We'll talk ourselves into being faith people when we're really not. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could have the right to the true life. He hung, bled, and died, resurrected the third day morning with all power and having the earth in his hands so that you and I could have a personal relationship with the God who created the heavens and earth. He loved us that much, guys. He thinks enough of us. I don't know why he does, but he loves us in spite of us. He loves us in spite of us, you know, disappointing him and not doing what he told us to do. He loves us. And he never gives up on us. So I thank God that we can walk in an attitude of faith. We can walk in faith and conquer these things that the enemy is throwing our way. Every head bowed, every eye closed.